Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Today we are completing our series, Keep Calm and Get Along. And I'm going to tell you, today is your lucky day, or your blessed day, however you want to call it, because you're going to learn the most important relationship principle that you will ever hear or you will ever need to hear. We're talking today about how to get along. Now, I'm going to tell you, getting along with one another is really one of our greatest struggles. Um, Keeping a healthy and sustainable relationship is the most important thing that you do, and it is the most difficult thing you're going to do in your lifetime. We always say across church that life is about relationships. And if you don't believe me, go be with somebody in their last hours before they die. And you're going to hear them talking about their relationship to God or and their relationship to the people in their life, their, their, uh, their relatives, their family, their friends, their husband, their wife, their children. Your relationships are the most important thing in your life. Now you would think that because our relationships are the most important thing in our life, you would think that we would spend a lot of time working on it, right? You'd think that we would spend a lot of time learning to get along. You would think that we would invest whatever it took to have great relationships. But the fact of the matter is, is that we don't. Because by nature, as you and I all know, by nature, we are really quite self-centered. Everything that we perceive, everything that we see, everything we hear, we always think of it in reference to ourselves first. And so we find ourselves being easily offended. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We find ourselves taking things personally. I discovered that about myself when I was uh, just fresh out of Bible school. I would discover or, or, or have people in my life that would discover things about me that uh, were not the best. And they would say, Alan, I need, to, I need to tell you something. I need to tell you. And then they would go ahead and tell me what I was like. They'd say, you're too intense. Uh, you, uh, you sometimes just barrel, barrel along and don't think of the feelings of others. Um, and other things that were not true. <laughs> I did not want to hear that. I did not want to hear the truth about myself. I, took it, I was very offended by it. And took it hard. And I felt that those people who were saying those things about me or to me were not my friends, but my enemies. But now that I'm further on in life, one of the things I've discovered is that when somebody takes you aside and speaks honestly to you about yourself, I've discovered that it's out of love. Almost every time it's out of love. Very rarely is it because they want to hurt you. I want the Spirit of God to speak to your heart today because here's what I know about all of us. Is that all of us, are easily offended. All of us perceive things that are said to us as being hurtful. We, we get our feelings hurt so easily, don't we? And we find ourselves saying, you know what, I'm never speaking to him again. I'm never speaking to her again. We hold grudges. In fact, you've heard the expression, I'm nursing a grudge or he's nursing a grudge. Think about what that means. To nurse a grudge means that you're feeding that grudge that anger, that bitter, you're, you're, you're caring for it, you're, you're holding it tight as precious and dear to you. You're doing whatever you can to protect your grudge because nobody's going to take your grudge away from you. You're going to hang on tight to that grudge and you're going to be angry at him, you're going to be angry at her no matter what. 
Has anybody ever heard of Richard Nixon? Richard Nixon considered possibly the worst president in the history of the USA. We discover that in his life he had what he called an enemies list. And here's what the biographers of Richard Nixon will tell you. They'll say that he became so obsessed with his enemies, so obsessed with the people in his life that had hurt him, that had offended him, that had said something against him, that he actually, he had an actual enemies list. And some would have argued that he spent as much time working on his enemies list as he did governing the USA. Think about that. And so many of us will sit here today and say, we'll shake our heads, we'll say, what an idiot. I love to say that. What an idiot. What a terrible man. What a stupid man. How could he do that? You would think an educated man, a man of power, would know better than that. Richard Nixon, when he became president, he had, uh, he had record, a record, a landslide, they said, a, a landslide in his favor. And that wasn't good enough. He had to get even with his enemies. And as you know, if you know the story of Richard Nixon, his obsession with getting even, his obsession with holding a grudge, actually brought him down in terrible disgrace. Now, I wonder today what your anger, what your grudges, I wonder what your offenses that you're nursing. I wonder what it's doing to your life. What's it doing to your family? What's it doing to your marriage? Because I'm going to tell you right now that if you're going to live the life that God wants you to live, if you're going to enjoy the abundant life that God wants you to enjoy, if you're going to experience the miracles in your life that you need to experience, then you're going to have to start doing things God's way and not your way. So the question is this, how do I maintain a healthy relationship with all the people in my life? How do I build my relationships with my spouse and children and friends so that all of them are good? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because today what I want to do is I want to teach you this great relational principle, the most important principle of all. And here it is. Are you ready? Drum roll, please. He can stop. That's the most important, but thank you for that. It was great. The most important relationship principle of all is unconditional love. Say it with me. Unconditional love. Now, Paul gives this advice, and some of you sitting here today are going to say, but this sounds like impossible advice. Well, if you're saying that, I appreciate your honesty, and I'm going to I'll tell you how you're going to do this impossible thing. But note, first of all, what the Apostle Paul says to the believers in the city of Ephesus. Here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 2. He says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Can I say that again? Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. And what was Christ's example? What did Christ do for us to prove how much he loves us? Here's what Paul says. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. 
That is what unconditional love is. Unconditional love says, I am going to do whatever it needs, whatever I need to do, whatever it takes to love you, even if it means I'm going to die for you. You say, well, Pastor Allen, that doesn't sound very practical. Can you give me another example? Yes, I can actually give you another example of what real love is. Isaiah gives us a beautiful description of God. He says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child that she has born? Though she may forget, God says, I will never forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. This is the love of God. This is the unconditional love of God. Because here's, again, what I know about all of us here today, myself included. Not one of us here deserves that kind of love. Would you say amen to that? Not some of you say, well, hold on, man, I, I, I do deserve God's love. Okay, so you're deluded if you think that you deserve anything from the hand of God. And I know that because the Bible says that. For all have sinned and all have fallen short of God's perfection. But God loves us anyway. God cares about you anyway. It's called unconditional love. And it's this love that the Apostle Paul tells us that we need to imitate. Imitate God, therefore, Paul says, in everything you do because you are his dear children. When Gore and I were in Greece, let me just give you a picture of a mother's love. When Gore and I were missionaries in Greece, we discovered a very interesting bond in the Greek culture. And it's, it's a bond between mother and son. Greece is not known for its love between husband and wife, or mother and daughter, or father and daughter. It's, a, it's the mother and son. And you can Google this for yourself to find out, because there's some hilarious stories on the subject. But don't do it now, please. Do it afterward. But we discover that this is a culture, a society, where... Mothers love their sons, and that's the greatest love relationship in that culture. And they joke about it. They tell stories about it. They laugh about it. In fact, we heard so many stories. I'll just share one with you. Uh, One fellow told us about uh, the mothers of boys who go to serve in the army. And in Greek culture, if you're born a Greek, then you have to serve in the military at some point. So after you graduate from high school or graduate from university, then you go to serve in the army. It's one of the reasons why Jesse... Uh, is not becoming uh, or having dual citizenship because if he was he was born in Greece, so if he wanted to be a Greek citizen, he would have to serve in the Greek army. But he's having not, none of that. These mothers, when it comes time to take their sons to the military base to check in. It's hilarious. The mothers are falling all over their sons and oh, pedimu, oh, mogapimu, and. And he's, she's sobbing, the son is sobbing, and goes on and on. I'll take good care of you, and I will feed you. I will send clothes and food and cigarettes and money. Whatever you need, I'm going to send it to you. Pedimu, pedimu, agapimu. My son, my love. And so the story goes, this is very true, that once those boys are checked in in the evening, mothers will come to the military border, the the military installation border, and they will feed their sons food through the fence. (laughs) They're they're poor little sons who have to eat that military food. But mom is there to care. Now, what is this? Besides being weird, what is this? 
It's, it's an unconditional love for the son because there's nothing a Greek son can do to cause his mother to stop loving him. Think about that for a moment. Does your spouse know how much you love him or love her? Do your children understand that your love for them is absolutely 100% unconditional? Because here's, again, what I know about all of us. Because we are all humans with a sinful nature, here's what I know about all of us, is that our love tends to be conditional. I will love you if. I will embrace you if. I will do kind things for you if. Now, here's what you need to know about the love that's spoken of in Scripture. There are no footnotes. There are no qualifiers that say you can you will love unconditionally if that person will cooperate with you. It doesn't say that. You will love that person unconditionally if they will do whatever you tell them to do. It doesn't say that. It just says love unconditionally. So I'm going to... Here, here, so here, here's what I know for sure. Because some of you are thinking, this is an impossible standard to live by, Pastor Allen. I cannot live by this standard. And if you believe that, then you are 100% correct. You cannot live by this standard. What you need is the help of God. And that's why you are here in church today. Because you can't live your life according to your own wisdom or your own ability or your own strength. You've come to church today because you're saying, God, I need your help to do this. I can't live uncondi- I can't live this unconditional love without your help, God. And this is why we teach the very first habit and the seven habits, to walk with God on a daily basis. So here's what you're going to do, folks, because you need God's help to live like this. You are going to go before the Father every single day, and you're going to say, God, I need your help. God, give me the grace and the strength to live according to your word. God calls you to love unconditionally, and you need his help, and you need to go to him, and you need to ask him for it. Because I know what some of you are doing when you go to God in prayer. You're not asking God for grace and for help to love people. You're going to God to complain. Right, John? You're gone to God, and you're saying, God, if you only could fix my wife, she's such a nag. And the wife is praying, God, if you just fix my husband, he still is not picking up his underwear. And God, fix my boss. And God, fix my kids and my stupid kids. They still don't know how to clean up their room. And God, fix this one, fix that one, fix the other one. And you're saying, man, I don't know if I can live what you're talking about, Pastor Alan. How do I live this unconditional love? Because I try and fix it. I try to fix everybody. I try to fix my husband, my wife, my kids, my mother, my father, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law. I'm trying to fix them all, and I'm not having any success. And if they would just cooperate with me, then I would love them unconditionally. Okay, so that's why you're in trouble. Because you're waiting for everybody else to make the first move. So I've got to tell you, I've got to share some scripture with you that's going to show you very practically what you need to do in order to love people unconditionally. So we just read Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 2. Imitate God, therefore, in everything that you do. Well, look at this. The verses just before this passage, the end of chapter 4, give some fantastic advice. So I want to read it to you. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're starting at verse 21. Now listen to this. This is amazing. 
How many know the Bible is full of fantastic advice? Wonderful advice. In fact, it's not just advice. It's direction from God. It's commands on how to live this life. Listen to this. This is fantastic. Ready, Laura? It's fantastic. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted. Did you hear that? Your old way of life, your old nature, it's corrupted. Paul says it's corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, Paul says in verse 23, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature. So look at that. Throw off your old nature and put on your new nature that's created to be like God. Truly righteous and truly holy. And then he goes on to say, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. Who are our neighbors, by the way? Your husband, your wife, your children, your people you work with, the people living next door to you. Your neighbors are everybody. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Hello? Don't sin by letting anger control you. It's not a sin to get angry, but it's a sin to let anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Some of you are in trouble today in your relationships because you have let anger take over, and the devil now has a foothold in your family, in your marriage, in your friendship. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't, oh, look at this. Don't use foul or abusive language. Did you hear that? Don't speak abusively to each other. Don't use violent language when you're upset, when you're angry. That's what Paul, this is what the Bible is saying. I'm not saying this. The Bible is saying it. Don't treat each other like this. In fact, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. How many people right now are bringing sorrow to the Holy Spirit by the way you treat your children, by the way you treat your spouse, by the way you treat the people in your life? Don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. Remember, God has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Folks, listen, this is Christianity I'm talking about. Instead, be kind to each other. Be kind to each other. tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Fantastic advice on how to love one another. Now, in case you missed it, I've distilled four simple rules to help you love the people in your life unconditionally. So here it goes. The first thing that you need to do, and this is going to be hard, 
Because here's what I know all of us are doing when we before, go before God. We say, God, change my husband. If he, would just, if he could just learn to, to say nice words to me. If he could just bring flowers once in a while. If he could just bring me chocolates once in a while. You know, it would be much better. I could love him easier. Just change my kids, God. Help them to be more respectful. God, change, my, change the people I work with. I want them not to be so ignorant. But Paul says in verse 21, 22, 23, change yourself. Didn't say change other people in your life. He says change yourself. It's you that's got to change. So you can't change the people in your life. You can't change your husband. You can't change your wife. You can't change your kids. You can't change your in-laws. You can't change anybody, but you can change yourself. And this is the essence of Christianity. Is that you come before God and you say, God, give me the grace, give me the strength to change, to be a different man, to be a different person. Unconditional love, folks, means that you take on a brand new nature. If you're going to love the people in your life, then you're the one that's going to say, okay, I'm going to change. I can't change my husband, no matter what kind of a jerk he is. I can't change him. But I can change myself. Now, here's what I see happening all the time. People are changed by the other people in their life. Did you get that? So if he's nasty, you're nasty. If he says a harsh word, you say a harsh word. If he's got a bad attitude, you're going to have a bad attitude. Now, you've been changed. You've been transformed, not by God, but by the people in your life. And here's what I say to everybody. Get off the level that everybody else is on. Did you get that? Get off the level that everybody else is on and get on the same level as God. Yes, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You are now on a different plane. You're on a different level. Now you're saying, I don't care what you say to me. I don't care what you do to me. I don't care how you treat me. I'm going to keep on being loving. I'm going to keep on loving you no matter what. Because you're not controlling me and you're not changing me. The Spirit of God is changing me. That's what it means to love each other unconditionally. You are now controlled by the Spirit of God, and you are not controlled by your passions, your anger, your resentment, your bitterness. You're saying, you may not act like Jesus, but I'm going to act like Jesus. Now, don't say that, but in your mind. I'm going to change myself. And if, in case you're wondering if you have any faults, is anybody here with no faults? If there's anybody here with no faults, I want you like to I'd like you to come up here right now, take the microphone, and finish the sermon. But I think we all have our faults. Our, at our family, the other day, amongst our family the other day, we had a really quite a humorous um, evening because we were all talking about each other's faults. I don't know how it unrolled, but we were all, it was Jesse, Nicholas, and Sarah, Gloria, and myself, and we were all just telling each other what's wrong with one another. And we were killing ourselves laughing. It was a really funny, funny time. And so uh, I said to Sarah, Sarah, what's, uh, what's wrong with, with me? She said, you really want me to tell you? <laughs> I, was, I thought she was going to say, Dad, you have no faults. She said, do you really want me to tell you? I said, yeah. She says, Dad, you know what you do a lot of? You do a lot of critiquing. You critique everything. And, and uh, just want you to know that, Dad. And I burst out laughing. 
because I know it's true about myself. Uh, this last week we were at a conference in L.A., or not in L.A., in Atlanta, and one of the things they said at one of those conference sessions was that all leaders critique. That's just what leaders do. They're constantly trying to make things better and better and better. But sometimes, folks, as you well know, when you sit there critiquing, sometimes it can be devastating to people. I'm trying to help, but what I'm really doing is I'm hurting. Uh, did I get mad at Sarah? I grounded her for a week. No, I didn't. I didn't do that. Did I get angry? Of course I didn't get angry. I thanked her. I said, and by the way, Sarah, you tell me anything you want to tell me ever. I want to hear it. I want to know. I don't want it to be festering. I don't want you to feel angry at me. I want you to tell me how you really feel, which leads to my second point. Paul says to speak the truth in love to one another. Now, here's what you need to know. If you are lying to your spouse or lying to your kids or lying to the boss or lying to your friends, you do not have a relationship with that person. Because unconditional love means you tell each other the truth. You do not lie to one another. Lies are what destroy relationships. And here's what I've seen so many times, especially with children, is that they're afraid to tell their parents the truth because they're afraid of what the parents' reaction is going to be. You know what I'm talking about. For some of us, it's easier to tell a lie than to tell the truth because it's just too much hassle to be honest. You know what I'm saying? Because if I tell him the truth, if I tell her the truth, she's going to blow up at me. He's going to blow up at me. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get a spanking. I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to get abused if I tell the truth. So I'll just tell lies and we'll keep the peace. So folks, while you're busy telling each other lies and keeping the peace, you're destroying your relationship with one another. The thing about being a follower of Jesus Christ is that you learn to do what Jesus does, and Jesus always tells the truth, even when it hurts. When I was a teenager, just got my license, and uh, my dad always let me drive his 98 Olds. Does anybody remember a 98 Olds in the 1980s? It was not so much a car as, as it was like a yacht. It was a massive, massive car that just kind of floated down the road. Massive V8 engine and just unbelievable power. So my job was to somehow parallel park the car next to the garage door. And so here I am. It's how many know what winter is like and driving in the winter. And so there's ice on this sort of this the the, the driveway is kind of an, on an incline. And I'm trying to back up, trying to get the car nicely parallel to the garage door. And I'm stepping on the gas, nothing's happened. Step on the gas, nothing happens. Step on the gas a little bit harder, and boom! Right into the back corner of the garage. And I've destroyed the back corner of the garage. And I'm thinking, what should I do? What should I do? What should, I do? should I tell my dad that the, uh, the garage, the, the garbage collectors did that? Or the neighbor kids did that? <laughs> what, what do I do with this garage door? Do I tell them the truth? And of course, I've got to tell them the truth. And I thought, oh... I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. He's, I'm going to get it in the backside. He's not going to get his boot back. I'm sure of it. Hello. <laughs> but I went in and I said, Dad, I just smacked the car into the back corner of the garage. Dad will remember that. And I was so surprised he didn't get angry. You know what he said to me? He said, well, you better fix it tomorrow. Thank you, Dad. Thank you. And I did. In fact, I fixed it better than what was previously built. (laughs) 
Do you tell each other the truth? You see, you, you need to start getting in the habit of speaking the truth to one another. And if something's bothering you, if something's hurting you, if something's offending you, then you need to speak the truth to the people in your life. In fact, what you need to do is you need to get in the habit of doing that in all your relationships. In fact, you need to give people permission to speak the truth to you without arguing, without debating, without fighting them. Listen, open your heart up and listen to what they're saying. They're hurt. They're hurting. And if you're going to have a relationship, then you're going to have to learn what it means to tell the truth and to hear the truth. We don't always want to hear the truth, do we? And we don't always want to tell the truth. But truth, my friends, is like magic. It makes possible wonderful relationships. Paul goes on to say this. He says, you need to forgive each other. I mean, really forgive each other. In fact, Paul says that if you don't forgive each other, well, here's what happens. You give the devil a foothold in your life. And when the devil has a foothold in your life, you know what this means, folks? It means all your relationships begin to deteriorate. You lose your happiness. You lose your joy. When you go into prayer, you're not convinced that God's going to hear you or answer your prayer because you know you're not living the way God wants you to live. God says that he will forgive you your sins if you forgive others their sins. But if you don't forgive people their sins, then God will not forgive you your sins. You've got to forgive. Gloria and I, for 25 years, have lived like this, except at the very, in the very first months of our marriage. We had one horrible fight. I mean, I was bloodied and bruised. Gloria, no. I, I, <laughs> she just killed me. No, actually, it was, we, we were really upset with each other. And you know what? After 25 years, do you think I can remember what the fight was about? I've, I have no idea. I have no, no idea what we were fighting about. But here's what I do know. I knew that I was so angry, I could not sleep. I could not sleep. And I rolled around, laid awake all night. I could not get any rest. And we woke up in the morning. I said to Gloria, I don't ever want to do that again. How many know that when you hold a grudge, when you're angry, you don't forgive? You're the one that suffers the most. Every time. So guess what? If you're holding a grudge, if you're not forgiving, you're stupid. Thanks, Pastor. Just what I wanted to hear. It's very, very stupid. Paul says, Paul says, don't let the sun go down in your anger. So Gloria and I made a pact with each other. We would never, ever do that again, and we haven't. Now, I can tell you, it's not because we're such experts at relationship, although I think at, after 25 years, there's a certain level of expertise that we've got. But here's what we decided to do. We decided that no matter what, we were not going to go, bed, go to bed angry with each other. She was not going to sleep on the couch, and I was not going to sleep on the couch. We were going to sleep together every single time, and we were not going to go to bed angry with each other. We decided that we were going to kiss each other goodnight. We we're going to tell each other, we love, we love you. I love you, dear. I love you, dear. Hugs, kisses, and I love you. And that's how we live our lives. Now, I'm going to tell you, sometimes... We don't get our fight resolved. How many know what I'm talking about? And we, this is what we've decided to do. We've decided that we were going 
We're going to take our fight, put it on the shelf, and we would pick it up in the morning and deal with it. Isn't that brilliant? Does anybody remember uh, the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Hour? Wile E. Coyote? Remember, remember the, Sam the dog that's guarding the sheep? You remember that? Remember Ralph? Ralph the, the, the coyote, his job is to attack the sheep, and Sam's job is to protect them, right? And so they arrive at the sheep, at the sheep stall in the morning. They check in. They punch their clock, right? Remember that? And then at the end of the day, the, the bell rings, the day is over, and they go and they, they check out. Now, they're enemies. They're mortal enemies, but they check out. And Sam says, good night, Ralph. And Ralph says, good night, Sam. See you tomorrow. And they go away. Everything's cool. That's glory in me. Sometimes. She's upset. I'm upset. We make up our minds. The day is over. Let's say goodnight to each other. Let's be kind. Let's love one another. What have we done? We've decided we're going to follow Jesus. We're going to do Jesus' will over our own will. And we forgive one another. There's one last thing that you need to do. You need to get in the habit of encouraging each other. How many remember this from their childhood? Sticks and stones would break my bones. Uh, that's wrong. That's what I learned. No, but it's wrong. Sticks and stones will break your bones. But names will break your heart. And some of you sitting here today have been so beat up and so hurt by your parents, by your spouse, by the people. You, you are broken inside. And you, you haven't been able to tell anybody. You haven't been able to tell your loved ones how broken and hurt you are. Here's what the Apostle Paul tells us to do. He tells us to encourage each other. He says, don't use harsh words. Instead, be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving, forgiving, just as God through Christ forgave you. There's a family in Bible school. The name's Nolan was the name. They were sort of like dorm parents. And I loved being with the Nolans. I loved hanging out with them. I loved going by their apartment for a cup of coffee. You know why? It's not because their coffee was great. It was that instant garbage. What I went there for were the words of encouragement. And you know what? The Nolans had a gift for building everybody up. Alan, you're going to do great things for God someday. Alan, you are gifted. Alan, you're so kind. You're so good at what you do. And just build them up. And I would just go in and just drink deeply from the Nolan well. And they would encourage me and bless me, make me feel so good about myself. And one day, Nicholas and Jesse, plug your ears. One day, I snuck out of the dormitory at night, which is against the rules. Snuck out so we could study for an exam. Snuck out to Country Kitchen. And I thought, when I got back, I got caught. I thought for sure the knowns would never speak to me again. I thought for sure that I had, I had let them down. I would failed them. I thought for sure that they were going to... I didn't think that they'd want anything to do with me. I didn't think they'd want to see me again. But you know what they did? They, they came looking for me. 
And they said, you got caught, didn't you? I said, yes. And they started to laugh. I said, well, it serves you right. I guess you're not going to do that again, are you? No. Good. Well, come on in for a cup of tea and let's talk about the future. I was beating myself up. They didn't need to beat me up. What they did instead is they encouraged me. They blessed me. They gave me permission to learn and to grow. Which, what, are you, what kind of a parent are you? Your kids mess up. What do you do? Do you scold them? Do you tell them how stupid they are? Do you tell them they're a loser? You're never going to make anything of yourself. There you go again. You messed up again. What a loser. What a loser. What a loser. And then we wonder why our kids turned out to be losers. Because you told them that they're a loser. You told them they'll never amount to anything. And God tells us by his word that we're supposed to encourage each other. We're supposed to build each other up. Instead, we throw around words that beat each other up. Abusive language, abusive words. Now, here's what you and I need to understand. If we're going to have good relationships, it doesn't depend on other people. It depends on you. You are going to love others unconditionally. You are going to love others unconditionally regardless of how others treat you. Because you are making a decision. You're not living on that level anymore. You're going to live on the same level as God who loves unconditionally. You want to have a great marriage? Do the things I just told you to do. Change yourself and stop trying to change your spouse or your kids. Start telling the truth to one another. Stop lying to each other. It's worth the effort. Work on your relationship. Start forgiving one another. And finally, start encouraging each other. Start speaking words that build people up, that give life to the people in your life. And you're going to have the best friendships, the best marriage. You're going to be the best parents that ever were. And we're going to do it together. Because that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen?